Welcome, everybody, to episode 71 of Kowalski Analysis. I'm your host, Rob Kowalski. Excited to be back with you guys tonight. Got a really great guest. This is someone that I've been consuming a lot of his content on social media now for a little bit. And um, his name is Pastor Mike Signorelli. Very excited to talk to him. He produces a lot of content. He's a very knowledgeable guy. He pastors a church up in New York City, which has got a satellite location and another part of the country I don't want to quote. Uh, but he's the lead pastor and founder of what's called V1 Church in New York City. And he, uh, he really helps people to become what they were created for. Uh, pastor Mike confidently states that if you are a leader, entrepreneur, or even just a dreamer, you can go from chaos to clarity through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you guys know how much Jesus means to me. Um, before I bring him in, I just quickly want to give a shout out to my sponsor. And that is Super Green Solutions. They're the largest renewable energy franchise in the country. Shout out to Matt Krim. Uh, they got a location based right here in Bel Air, Maryland. Uh, as energy prices have been increasing, now's a great time to look at solar and other renewable energy solutions. Super Green Solutions will complete a free renewable energy audit to see what options you have and offer a $100 dining voucher just for having them come out and take a look. They offer options with no money out of pocket for your own for you to own your own solar system. Give them a call, 443-961-4396. Plus now through the end of the month, $1,500 referral bonus for any uh, solar referrals. So, okay, um, let me know if you can see me, see me and hear me coming through okay. I always like to check in and see who's here, make sure that um, I'm coming through okay. Uh, say hello, say hi, say hey. And if it's your first time joining us on one of these streams, go ahead and tell us where you're coming in from. Even if you're watching the replay, comment, let us know that you were here. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in Pastor Mike Signorelli. <laughs> hey, Pastor Mike, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. So where are you coming in from? You're in New York City? Yeah, I'm here in Queens, New York City, home of Spider-Man. So... <laughs> My, my dad used to own a bar in Queens. Actually, my grandfather owned it. My dad bartended there. It was called Rascals. It might still be there. Wow, no way. Well, I don't frink with the bars in uh, here, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, uh, actually, you know what? Before we jump into your testimony, which I want to hear about, uh, we like to do a little game called This or That. And that's what, I'll just throw you a few questions and let you rapid fire them back to me real quick. The answer is this or that. So you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Let's have some fun. Okay. Dinner and a show or quiet night in? Quiet night in 100%. Where are all of my introverts on this one? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nice. Suit or t-shirt? Oh, I would say a blazer over a t-shirt. <laughs> all right. So that's a little hybrid. All right. Moses or Abraham? I'm going to go with Moses. Okay. Can't go wrong with Moses. Yeah. Dress, dress shoes or tennis shoes? Tennis shoes. Good book or good movie? Definitely a good book. Okay, awesome. I'd say good movie. Right. <laughs> I'm like, let me just get the cliff notes. All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, before we dive in, um, tell everybody a little bit about your, your backstory briefly and just how you met Jesus. Yeah, well, listen, I'm a former atheist turned lead pastor of V1 Church. Uh, we're a multi-site national church, so it's absolutely insane to see what God's done with us. And, uh, my, you know, I was raised in small storefront Pentecostal churches uh, in a very poor family with a single mom of five kids with with five kids. And then I first generation college student on both sides of my family. And I had that um, cliche professor of biology who said God doesn't exist. And I believed him. And I remember being a freshman in college and actually thinking, okay, I get it. All my family are, are just poor people who are ignorant, uneducated. So therefore they believe in God, but then middle-class and above people are intelligent and don't believe in God. And so therefore it's probably, God's probably a lie. And um, I became an atheist. And so I started this three-year journey to figure out what I believe in and why, which actually turned into this big campus-wide spirituality talks thing. And I had Muslims, Hindus, atheists, agnostics, people from every walk of life come together. And we had vulnerable conversations about what we believe in why. And that was like the height of my atheism. And then junior year of college, I ended up randomly, I say random in air quotes, randomly moving in with an Ivy League educated theologian. 
And he was one of the, my four roommates. And over the course of that year, he just systematically destroyed any argument I tried to bring to him as to why God uh, doesn't exist. And so I ended up recommitting my life to Christ junior year of college, weeping, saying my mom was right. She didn't know why she was right. You know, she was just a simple woman of faith, but um, I was able to reconcile, reconcile faith and reason, you know, intellectualism, science, and um, a belief in Christ as savior. And so anyways, that's kind of how that was my early 20s. And then um, years later, ended up launching a church in New York City. That's wild, man. Where are we going to college at? I am an IU guy. So Indiana University, Bloomington, we were actually uh, the number one party school in the nation the year that I <laughs> the year that I went to went to college. So it was crazy. Um, but I went from like literally like welfare food stamps, never went to I had never flown on an airplane. I never went on vacation to being a college student um, at a Big Ten university, being exposed to all these things at once. It was it was crazy. How'd you get there? Were you like a, a, a jock or something or? No, you know, what's crazy. I've always loved learning and I, um, you know, I'm not saying this like an egotistical way, but I, I crushed it on my SATs. And so as a result of that was getting scouted and had some opportunities. So. Wow. That's awesome. What was your major? English. Okay. Nice. Did you think you're going to be like an English teacher or what? <laughs> you know, no, it's funny because I started out in the music program and I was in the jazz program. (laughs) So that just gives you an idea like how eclectic and weird I am. And uh, I remember having a friend who said, you're never going to make any money in a jazz music program. And so I was like, oh, I'll switch to English, which was just as equally stupid if you're trying to make money. So um, then the funny thing is that guy who said that ended up becoming a top 40 radio mix engineer, and he makes a ton of money now. So I'm still mad at him. (laughs) So how'd you get called to ministry? Were you doing something? What were you doing before this? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I did end up teaching English and journalism. I also was like kind of a serial entrepreneur. I like to dabble in stuff. So I I had uh, my own music venue. Uh, I ended up just kind of doing a little bit of everything. You know, that's kind of how I satisfy my mental and emotional life is just being involved in a ton of stuff. But in my music venue, I started doing these like Friday night evangelistic worship things. I don't even know how to explain it. I was trying to replicate what I did in college where it was like an open forum. So we would have a time where we would discuss, you know, crazy topics that most local churches would not touch. And as a result of that, just started leading a lot of young people to Christ. And out of that, it really sparked a desire to say, man, what would it look like to really have a church? Um, and not just a Friday night deal. And so it kind of came out of that. That's awesome, dude. I, so I started a parachurch ministry called city fam several, seven years ago. And for me, it was, I used to be a big club promoter and became a Christian, had this radical encounter, got baptized in the Holy spirit, did a 180, started going to church. Didn't really relate to the the whole lifestyle. I, I, it was boring to me, honestly. Like I went from living, my life was a party to like nothing to do. Wow. I, I, you know, isolated for several years. And eventually I backslid inadvertently. Uh, so when I rededicated, I, I sought out to solve Christian boredom, basically. Wow. Um, started doing these events on weekends, social events, and through the social events, started seeing people get saved because they were meeting mm-hmm. my friends from church. And I, it's funny you mentioned Friday night, because I, before we, we actually gave it a name, I, I saw a post on social media by Hillsong up in New York, and they were advertising something called Friday Night Live. And it was at this Irish bar. They're like, this, you know, Friday Night Live this week is going to be at such and such. And I was like, how is a church advertising an event at a bar? I thought to myself, I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah. I, dro- I drove up there because I just wanted to see it. Oh. I was like so curious about it. And and I talked to the girl that started it. She's like, yeah, most of my friends that, you know, end up coming to Hillsong all came through Friday Night Live because it's such an easy, it's a much easier introduction versus trying to get somebody to come to a building that they really aren't interested in coming to yet. Yeah. So yeah, okay. absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like we got a lot of similar DNA <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, we have three locations here in New York. And well, we we're down to two now post COVID, you know, we consolidated, but we were meeting in a nightclub and it was refreshing for people because actually our Long Island location used to be a bar and we flipped it. 
And then our evening location was a nightclub where like where you ran sound of the production deck up top, there was a slide that goes down and we left it intact. And we just told our team members, don't use the slide during service, but before and after is fine. So people <laughs> would come in and they just felt more comfortable, you know? That's hilarious. You should have put, put the baptismal at the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. That's hilarious. That's funny. So you have a lot of singles, I imagine, at your church, huh? Yeah, we have a lot of young people, a lot of millennials. Matter of fact, most of our church, this is the first church they've ever had. And I'm the first pastor they ever had. And it's it's crazy because even when we train our, our um, you know, our greeters, you know, the one Sunday I came out and I'm inspecting, making making sure everything's going smoothly. And they're holding the signs and people are walking in and they're they're saying, Hey, how the H are you? You know, and I'm like, yo, like don't don't say that. And they're like, well, what did I say wrong? And I'm like, well, you know, like H E double hockey sticks is kind of considered a cuss word to most Christians. Christians. And they're like, Oh, like, I didn't think about about that, like, as a cuss word, you know, and That's to awesome. me, that was the evidence that we're building the right kind of church. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. I, when I first rededicated my life, I, I was asked to be on the greeter team by my pastor's wife. And I was I, I was still drinking and, you know, heavily. Um, and I was still in the bars. And I was like, I, I'll work the greeters, you know, I'll, I'll greet people when they come in. But if somebody comes in that knows me, it's going to look bad on you. Because <laughs> like, exactly. they're going to be like, what kind of church is this? Um, yeah, but it really helped me get myself together a lot, a lot faster being being a service. And that's something I recommend people do is join the join the dream team as quick as possible, because it really does yeah. help you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk about what do you guys do for your singles? Because like, I talk a lot about this, the struggles that are specific to singles, um, Christian singles, when they yeah. are trying to walk that narrow path. And um, I'd just be curious to hear if you guys do anything special for them. Because in my opinion, like, you know, if you believe what Paul says, Paul's like, it's better for you to be unmarried because you can be devoted to the Lord's work, basically, right? He's like, when you're yeah. married, you have to be, you know, worried about somebody else's happiness. But but I what I see in most churches is they don't utilize the singles that well. The, the singles are just kind of like almost the forgotten group. And then, the, you know, a lot of times we'll fall into sin because if we're not given something to do, sometimes we'll do the wrong thing, but even not purposely. So do you guys do anything specifically for your singles in your church? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying that Jesus, the one that we worship, the one that, you know, saved us from eternity in hell um, was single. And it's, it's always been ironic to me that we, we, um, we love Jesus, we honor Jesus, we serve Jesus, we preach Jesus, but Jesus was single. And so we treat like we like we serve Jesus as our leader. But then we often do not elevate singles into places of leadership and positions of leadership in our church. But Jesus was single. So it's like, you know, you see husbands and wives always get elevated to this prestigious place. But by that standard in American evangelicalism, Jesus would never get promoted. Wow. So I am very much in support of the singles of our church. And, you know, there's some practical things that we do. Um, we, we do singles mixers and we actually open up our spaces and we had one val- Valentine's Day weekend, which could be a very like devastatingly, you know, um, lonely day for singles. But we got them all together. The funny thing, too, was it was like the ratio of women to men was absurd. It was like four to one. And so I was like, if you're a man at our singles mixers, like it's, it's, it's yeah, the the deck is stacked in your favor. Um, then a lot of the guys showed up looking like they were working on a farm. So then I had to step back and say, okay, guys, we're going to have to teach you like an appropriate way to shower and like dress before these singles mixers. And like, you know, but, but as a church, we, number one, we elevate singles into positions of leadership, understanding that, um, you know, that they bring value and that your value doesn't increase uh, because you're married. And then number two, we try to create venues where they can meet people um, in a safe, you know, in a safe environment, because a lot of people, like you said, they don't want to go back to the club. They don't want to swipe on the apps because they tried that. And especially for a church like ours, we'll actually reach out to all the churches in our region. We'll, we'll cold call them, email and say, like, we'll use our um, our environments, bring all your singles and, and let's get together and have a fun, safe time together. So that's just kind of what it looks like at, at, in our community. Uh, that's awesome. I love that point about Jesus. And I never really thought about it like that. But um, 
funny thing is city fam's first official event seven years ago 2015 was on valentine's day and it's for that wow. reason man. it's like single awareness day it's like super yeah. super depressing when you know you're everybody's coupled up and you got nobody new year's eve is another hard one i tell you that's one that gets to you too but i love that you're doing things like that because if you don't eventually people are only going to sit home by themselves for so long right sit home by themselves forever then they're, eventually they are going to get on the dating app or they're going to go to the bar or whatever else, call that person that they know they really shouldn't be with because yeah. they're not going to be lonely forever. So I love, I love the community aspect of what you're saying. I've often wondered like, why is, why are bars open seven days a week, but a, a church is open one day a week for right. a couple of hours. Like it doesn't make sense. Like I go and I went, I walked in this bar the other night, uh, just on a Monday for some random reason. And there was all these people there. And I'm like, I thought to myself, you know why they're here? Because they want to be around other people. Mm -hmm. They just want something to do. Yeah. And of course the culture sucks because now they're going to, they're just drinking and, you know, they're yeah. not holding each other to any kind of higher standard, but they're there because they just want to be around people. Yeah. And I feel like the church has got to do a better job of providing those opportunities in healthy ways. So I like that. Totally agree. Doing that. Um, so I was reading your website and you were talking about, there's just a phrase on there that I kind of jotted down. And it's, you said the right runway. Can you talk a little, mm. bit, a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, just like you said, people are, I think they're, they want more out of life, you know, they, but they're confused. I think people are more confused now than ever before because it's not the lack of information. It's the abundance of information that create creates this like paralysis of analysis so you're hearing news, you're hearing like, this is what's going to happen in the future. Everybody's got a different opinion. I think it's made life very difficult to navigate. And so the big theme of my life lately has been helping people go from chaos to clarity and from the road to the runway. And what that really means is, you know, when you commit, even when you're flying a plane, there's actually this stage of flight called V1. And what that means is you, you run out of runway it's like, this is no longer, you know, this, there is no plan B, this thing's going to fly nature is taken over. And every pilot of every commercial airliner you've ever flown, what, as soon as that the wheels take up off, off the ground, they say V1, which is a velocity speed. And when they declare V1, actually, and this is even scarier to think about, they take their hands off of the controls for a moment because human error could crash the plane. And so the, the way in which planes work scientifically, they hit a certain speed and like thrust and lift begin to occur. And then this greater force of nature takes over where that thing starts to fly. And I think a lot of people, they want to be committed. They want to be faithful to something. They want to really go all in, but they don't know how to, uh, to arrive to that point. So a big theme of my life is just helping people go all in like not 99%, but 100%, because there's such a peace that comes over you when you when you seal up the escape hatches and you ditch all your plan B, C, D, and E, and you just say, I'm just going after this thing. And really Jesus was, that's how he called people to discipleship. You know, he didn't ask different people to give up the same things. He asked different people to give up different things. Like for example, he didn't tell everyone, sell everything you have and then come follow me. But he told it to the guy who had a plan B with his wealth. You know, like, hey, that's that's your escape hatch. You got to seal that thing up if you're going to roll with me. Right. And so it's like whenever you come to Christ, there's going to be something that he just says, you're relying on these other things. You're going to have to abandon all that and go all in on this. So I think a lot of my life in the last couple of years is helping people just um, silence all of the other voices and go from chaos to clarity. That's great. I, when you said that, it reminded me, like when I got baptized in the spirit, I was, uh, you know, at the height of my club promoting career, I was making a lot of money. It take it taken me, you know, some time and effort to build myself to that point. I created this persona and then got Jesus, you know, revealed himself to me. And I, and I was like, I had to make a really hard choice of like, okay, do I follow him now that I know the truth or do I, you know, really wanted to go back to my life of sin, but I, yeah. chose to, I chose to follow him. And it was like, man, it was like watching a parade go by that I used to lead. And it was mm. like, it kept going without me. And I was like, man, it's so hard to let it go. But that was my, wow. That was my plan for my life. And it's, I feel, I, you know, I feel people's um, pain because they're, when you have that thing and he asks you to let it go, whatever that thing is for you, like for that rich young ruler, it was the money. 
for me, it was the popularity and the money and the pleasure, all the pleasure surrounding it. But um, yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult ask for sure. Um, wow. What would you, what would you tell someone? And maybe you already tell people. So like you have these singles that are in your, in your uh, church. And if they've been through like, cause I have a lot of singles that follow me because of the book and all that. Um, and a lot of them have been waiting for quite some time. What would you tell them if they've been a pro- prolonged season of waiting? What advice would you give to them? Oh, yeah. You know what? First of all, my heart breaks for those who, you know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it's like the more, you know, and, and even there's a biological aspect to it where it's like people start getting to a certain age where they're like, man, can I ever have kids? And my, my, I'm telling you, my heart breaks. I mean, I have two children of my own. Unfortunately, we've had two miscarriages as well. And, you know, so it's like, I know that there's pain no matter what your circumstance is, right? There's pain in marriage, there's pain in, uh, you know, miscarriages, there's pain in celibacy, there's pain in singleness. And I think that one of the messages you don't hear uh, a lot in, in like American Christianity is the concept of suffer well. And I know that that's like a really weird thing to say, because we're always talking about like how to help people live their best life now. But there are just times where no matter how hard you pray, how much you fast, how many conversations you start, like there is a reality where sometimes that that person does not enter your life. And that delay is there. And so learning how to suffer well, you know, because the thing is, and I tell this to single people all the time, like, marriage is not a solution to suffering child like having children is not a solution to suffering because it just brings a different and unique form of suffering into your life so learning how to suffer well is something you carry into your marriage when man you thought that they were your soulmate and maybe they are i'm not going to argue that uh, but it doesn't feel like it right now because you're arguing or you thought that you wanted children but you haven't slept in a month because you know so it's like it's a different form of suffering so i think but also knowing that I think single people are annoyed by married people who act like they understand. And so if like there's any pastors or leaders listening to me, like just stop acting like you being single for a couple of years, 20 years ago qualifies you, you know? And so I think there's part of it where you just have to learn how to help carry that burden and say, I don't know what it's like, but I'm here for you. Um, And and so what I've done is like opened up my home to single people. Um, Matter of fact, there's this guy named um, Ayush. And he is a single guy at our church and he's from India. He was actually a Hindu. I led him to Christ and every Thanksgiving, he spends Thanksgiving with our family. And, you know, and so just being there as a form of family, not to replace, but to come alongside and help carry that cross. That's so good, man. When I rededicated my life, that was my pastor and his wife. That's what they were for me. I was, I just told him, I'm like, I'm going to stick to you like glue. I'm like, I I knew I needed him, just him to rub off on me. So I was going to like freaking three-year-old birthday parties and (laughs) yeah, totally places a grown man, a grown single man shouldn't be. But I was like, I just want to be close to you. So I love that you did that. And I think about, you know, there's a lot of people um, that I know that had similar experiences, singles that were their pastors kind of took them under their wing. They're the couple and just kind of some of them live with them for six months. I mean, I think about Justin Bieber and Carl Lentz, like, yeah. you know, but think about look and look at what it did for Justin Bieber. I mean, regardless of, you know, Carl Lentz, what happened with him, but it, it definitely is something um, there's something yeah. that for sure. I, and the, I think the hard part is it, it, for me, at least is like, cause I, what I try to figure out is my brain will overthink cause I've been waiting for. So the, Essentially, I would have been if I was obedient those years I didn't backslide, I would have been single and waiting for 22 years up till this point. So I'm like, gosh, that's that's really cruel and unusual, right? Like no yeah. sex, no whatever. But um, so but the last 10 years I've been single and waiting. I have had two two uh, isolated infractions. Um, but that's still giving it my all. And um yeah, you know, the thing I wonder about is like did God put me here because it's it's hard and I know and I'm probably building endurance, I'm developing endurance. Or is it somehow I put myself here through the decisions I made and now I'm like, I'm supposed to work myself out of it somehow, go on lots of dates, you know, work really hard, you know, my, on my vision. But if it's the former, I'm like, then that's pointless because if he put you here, he's just going to keep you here, you know, and you hear that, you know, Maverick city, wait on the Lord. Right. Yeah. So like, it's like, so it's trying to find that balance about, okay, do I wait or do I work or do you know, like, 
no, 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 right. waiting isn't isn't working. I mean, is isn't doesn't mean you don't work. Um, it, but it, that 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 for me has been like the wrestling match where I'm like, and maybe it's just a posture. Yeah, because it's like I'm still working long hours, but now I'm, you know, I I think about that verse. It's just like I've quieted my quieted my something within me like a wean child, yeah. and I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, I'm I'm okay. I'm not throwing a fit. I'm not resisting. Yeah. So like, I'd like it to happen, but I'm okay. And I'm just going to, you know, do my best to have as much happiness as I can until, yeah, you know, come to pass kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's, it is a heart posture too. Um, because I think that a lot of times when you get frenetic or you start, you can make a wrong decision, you know, and it's like, I think it's important for anybody as they're making a decision to not make the decision out of that place of need because it could blind you, you know? And so there's some wisdom to actually saying, you know what? Um, two half people don't make a whole relationship. It's like two whole people, you know, bringing a hundred percent. It's like not two people bringing 50%, but two bringing a hundred percent. So getting into that place where you're like, I'm not making this decision out of need. I'm making it out of vision. Hey, Rob Kowalski here. When I first got serious about living intentionally and becoming a better version of myself, I found a major shortage of things to do and people to do them with. And it was the loneliness and boredom that led me to starting CityFam. So I just want to take a moment right now and encourage you to go over and join the CityFam Facebook community. It's a free Facebook group and in it you'll find purpose-driven people from all over the world that want to enjoy life to the fullest. You can search it on Facebook or you can go to www.friendswithbetterbenefits.com and it'll take you right there. While I'm mentioning it, if you're single, searching for real love, love before sex, as I like to say, I wanna encourage you to join the Waiting Works community. That's another free Facebook group I put together designed to help people wait well, date well, and ultimately hit the mark in life and love. And you can go to www.reallovewaits.com and I'll see you over there. Now back to the episode. I wanna yeah. switch gears a little bit. Um, I was yeah. actually gonna make a YouTube video and entitle it, Get Close to Jesus Now While There's Still Time. Mm. And I was going to, you know, just make a case for why now is a really good time to get close to Jesus. What would you say to someone if they were asking you that, that question? Like, why now? I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit has probably already gotten up ahead of us and told them the same thing. Right. Most of the time when I tell people that it's time to get close to Jesus, they'll tell me, I felt that in my heart. I felt that in my life. What I've learned is that the MVP, like the most valuable player, like on my team is the Holy Spirit, because he's probably already confirmed it. And then by the time I say it, they're like, okay, that's the second time I'm hearing it. And so if somebody's listening to this right now, I'm telling you, you probably feel in your spirit, the Holy Spirit saying, come closer. You know, the Bible Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And there's this, you know, you, you're feeling that. So just surrender to it. Let this be one of those moments that drops your jaw. We were like, Oh, I, I was, I knew that, you know, cause I feel like somebody just experienced one of those moments where God hijacks their life right now, you know, where they're like, they didn't expect us to take this turn in the interview, but this is the confirmation that you've been waiting for. So walk it out. That's awesome, man. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Yes, um, I tend to go in the direction of like seeing everything that's going on in the world and about oh, you know, yeah. 10 times. And I'm like, look, you better get some roots down now. You better get close oh, to yeah. it while there's time, because you even just to develop the network that you're going to yeah. need for when the crap hits the fan, you're going to need people and resources when this, who knows what sets in, what kind yeah. of persecution or whatever, if we get a war on, we don't know what's coming and oh, yeah. you better get some roots down now because, and even like people that aren't believers or you see him questioning are, oh, yeah. you know, Joe Rogan was talking about the end of the world on his Instagram the other day. He's like, thought that maybe, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, cause I think he predicted 20, yeah. 2060 or something and how he might be right. And I'm like, everybody sees the writing on the walls. Now, are you a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib guy? Oh, like, this is a great conversation. So I've got YouTube videos where I go a little bit more in depth. Now I will tell you this, I, I this is I, all of my friends. I mean, we're all big theologian types. We obviously, I, my, all of my channels are devoted to teaching the scriptures. If you go to the YouVersion Bible app, I've got several Bible reading plans within the YouVersion Bible app. So 
I'm a pretty trusted source of information. I tell everybody <laughs> I have the urgency of pre-trib and then I try to have the eschatology of post-trib. Um, you know, it seems like every couple of years I flip-flop back and forth um, on that issue because, you know, you've got really solid teachers of the word. Um, like a good example is like Robert Morris is post-trib and Jimmy Evans is pre-trib and they are on the same team, <laughs> you know? And so I, it's a great conversation. Um, me personally, where I landed uh, most recently is pre-trib. I've got some videos and some teachings on that, but my biggest encouragement to everybody is do not lose the urgency. Don't, don't lose the urgency because like you said, right here, I live in New York City and my wife couldn't even get milk, eggs, and cheese yesterday in a grocery store. And that's, that's just a reality that started since the pandemic. And so I think all of us need to live with that urgency no matter what. And so for me, it's more of a mindset than anything. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Living with the urgency. And it's funny because anytime I'll hear somebody where they're emphatic that they're right, they're like, it's definitely pre-trib. And, and I'm like, listen, there are people that are way smarter than you that have a completely <laughs> opposite view and they have all the scriptures to back it up. So we can't say it's definitely this one or definitely that one. We, we, we do not know. Right. So, yeah, I love that you're, you're uh, objective in that respect. Um, I, I watched one of your videos about the Ukraine and you were talking about how it might maybe be in part of Bible prophecy. What are your thoughts on that since you made it? Yeah, so I've been traveling once to twice a year to do conferences and revivals in Ukraine. And I've seen firsthand the false flag initiatives, uh, you know, that Putin's been doing for literally a decade. And so there's not really anything new unfolding in Ukraine. It's just it escalated and, it, and the world is now paying attention to it. And also, you know, the Ukrainian government government has been like notoriously um, shady, you know, there's no other way to put it, but it's also a new government, you know, you think about like the fall of communism, and where they're at in the timeline, when you whenever I've gone to Ukraine, I've tried to explain to people, this is like being in America in like 1800, you know, it's, and if you think about it like that, there's still infrastructure building, there's still things happening. So it's just been very volatile. But what I think is important is when you pay attention to like the relationship between China and Taiwan, and then you look at, um, you know, obviously what's happening with Ukraine, you do have some conditions that I think should be concerning, especially of Christians, you know, we're living in very turbulent times. And again, I think it's wisdom to stay, you know, in God's perfect will, and to have that level of urgency. So right now, um, it's hard to say what will happen next. But it's, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I, I will when okay, during the pandemic, I, there were several prophecies that I went online and gave and I would end my life with 100,000 views because it would go viral while I was still alive. And so whenever God's given me prophetic insight, I'm not going to back down from it. I'm not going to, but I'm also not going to make it up. And so right now I'm watching Ukraine. I'm watching the China Taiwan situation and I'm sort of trying to discern what what's happening in the midst of it. But I do think we have the conditions for um, like, a major reset we have we have the conditions right now for a major next step and i don't know what that looks like specifically and god hasn't said anything to me um but again i think for anybody who is telling themselves well we're, we're just going to get post pandemic and life's going to return back to normal it never will right. <laughs> so just that i can definitively say like get that out of your mind like even what we're seeing in the body of christ right now there people are hungering and thirsting for righteousness for holiness they there's a convergence of the word and the spirit right now like never before you've had seasons where people wanted to see demonstrations of power but they weren't interested in scripture you've also seen people uh extremely interested in scripture but they don't really believe or uh, you know want to see a demonstration of power but this is the first time in my lifetime that i've seen those things converging mm -hmm. so it's a very unique time i think we're on the precipice of like a major shift we're in it but it's like I, I but one thing i do know is like coming into the summer i feel very strongly that the summer into the fall is when you're going to see like a clashing of the swords i think you're going to see evil increase but you're also going to see um the body of christ rise up at the same time and all those conditions are here now wow yeah i, I heard um somebody say normal's not coming back jesus is 
Yeah, exactly. I could, I'll, I'll co-sign that one. I mean, I wonder, you know, cause I know a little bit about Bible prophecy and I, I guess, I guess I have to think Russia comes out on top because if you, that whole like Gog Magog uh, thing in the Bible mm-hmm. and maybe Russia invades Israel. I, I don't know. I, I will tell you one thing that God told me 22 years ago when I got baptized in the spirit, part of it was I prophesied and he told me a couple of things. And one of them, he told me, and this, I, I bet my life one is that the United States and China go to war with each other. I don't, he didn't tell me why, or if it was on our soil or theirs, he didn't tell me any of that, but I would bet my life that that happens. And wow. in fact, you know, 22 years ago, they weren't really, there was nothing. Now right. there's a, a lot of attention there and Taiwan could be the thing that, you know, sparks the whole thing off. But um, so I guess I was, first off, I want to give you props to your content people because your content is fire, man. Like I watched some <laughs> of your YouTube videos are really good. And, um, thank you. So you do a lot of stuff at your church. Like, um, you, you heal people, you cast out demons. Tell me about something. I don't know, just something memorable. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Good yeah. story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, here's the thing, you know, it's this whole influencer thing. It's hilarious to me. I'm nobody believes it, but my default mode is being an introvert. And, you know, the Bible says in Acts 1-8 that after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And I'm one of those guys, like after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I receive power to be a witness. And what I do is so far outside of my comfort zone, it's ridiculous. So really the content is really just a reflection of me being obedient to God. You know, I'm not trying to do it for clout. I'm not trying to do it for influence, but I do think it's important to open up a window into my world and say, this is what God's doing. It's real. And, you know, so uh, there's so many stories I have. Now, the whole thing about deliverance is this is the way I put it. Wherever Jesus, like physical Jesus, 2000 years ago, wherever Jesus was, you there were demons were coming out of people, people were getting healed, that that's the ministry of Jesus. So we we don't go looking for demons. We don't, we're not even chasing signs, miracles and wonders. But wherever Jesus is the real Jesus, not the Republican Jesus, the Democrat Jesus, not the uh, philosophical, you know, Jesus, the guru Jesus, like wherever the real Jesus is, you will see demons leaping and people getting healed. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to know definitively that the true and risen Jesus is in our midst. Because when I know that, that, that all that other stuff happens. And um, my favorite thing, because this is my favorite thing. This happens all the time. But one story in particular, somebody brought their mother to one of our events. And she was super skeptical, judging everybody, judging the entire thing. And she's standing off to the side. Now, I started having people repent for sins and even doing like a generational repentance. You know, not not that we, you know, obviously we are judged for our own sin, but sometimes things run in a family. And so to begin to repent and just say, hey, God, you know, on behalf of all of my ancestors, like this is something and you know it stops with me you know i'm breaking this this curse so we're going through that now when we start doing that people just start manifesting demons manifest like crazy because you're they're being exposed their their legal rights to people are being taken away what did you say to get them to manifest again so um for me it's repentance and then renouncing, and then you cast them out. And so when people begin to go into deep repentance, because here's what happens. In most churches, we don't repent, we confess. There's a difference between confess and repent. So you can confess, yeah, I'm a liar. You got me, I'm a liar. But that's not repentance, you're just admitting it. And in a lot of churches, you're just confessing, you're not repenting. So I actually tell people what repentance means. And then we start repenting. And I'm telling you, when when people actually start saying, I repent, I'm not going back to it. And um, on behalf of my forefathers, people in my generations before me, like, you know, my family, this is not in alignment with God's will. And I repent and I, I renounce, I'm breaking the contract with those things. It's like it's you just start exposing the works of darkness and and demons just start manifesting like crazy. You can see tons of videos on my channel about that. But it was funny because this this mother came. She's judging the whole thing in the midst of it. All of a sudden. Now, this woman's educated. She's just a normal. You know, she's not a church going woman. She drops to the ground and starts slithering around like a snake uncontrollably as as demons are manifesting her. 
45 minutes later, these demons are all cast out of her. She's accepting Christ. She's weeping and she left there and now she attends our church. So we just, even skeptics, I actually, another episode was, um, I was going to do an outdoor event at central park and it, it was like torrential downpour. So I moved it to the Bethesda terrace. So now we're meeting under a bridge. I got 200 people. This whole thing's live, uh, on my Instagram. You can watch this whole thing. So you can fact, check me but there's like 200 people under this bridge and you have doctors lawyers people in all every profession you know that are under this bridge and you just watch people just start getting free and the the supernatural ministry happens so um it's real and it's wild and even to me as somebody who's a former atheist I never stopped looking through the lens of atheism, you know, because you're just like, I know this looks crazy. And I promise I'm a science junkie, but there are things that science can't explain. <laughs> you know, there's more. I thought that you could be, you could have demons living in you and not know is crazy. It's scary. It is. But think about this. Every military on the planet wears camouflage. Why? Because you have a military advantage when you're unseen. So if I'm the devil, I don't want you to know I'm there. I don't want you to see me because that's how I keep an advantage over you. And that's what starts getting scary. I got chills even saying it is when you expose the, that's when the manifestations happen because it's like turning a rock over and you see all these creepy crawlies. You're like, oh, I didn't even know all those bugs were there until you lift the rock up. Yeah, somebody was telling me a story about some deliverance service they went to. I don't remember all the details, but I it, it creeped me out because I remember they I think <laughs> the people they had the people up in the front and they were, I guess, possessed and they were on different sides of the of the church in the front. And one of them said to the other, I guess one was like, I don't know if it was convulsing or what. And he said, he said, it's OK, they can't get us. Mm. the one demon was talking to the other demon right in front of him right like the one was thinking that he was in danger or something and the other one's like they can't don't don't worry they can't get us or something like that and it was like freaky when i heard it i'm like that's so crazy to me well and i think one of the reasons why atheism is so prevalent is because we got really good at doing church services but never got better at doing the will of jesus so it's like, you know, we, we were like professional song singers, we're professional preachers, but Jesus, when you, when you look at his life, it was like, there was this component of supernatural ministry. And again, we're not, we don't seek a sign. We're not seeking that. But when you're confronting, I always say it, if you're not, if you're not in a head on collision with the devil, you might be running in the same direction, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you're right. Like I was just in Jamaica, where they do obia, which is a form of witchcraft, and the whole country is entrenched in this stuff. And um, it was like, I started praying for uh, the daughter. And then the mother started manifesting because there were generational demons in both of them. And then both of them got free at the same time, you just can't make it up. And then at a certain part in that in that deliverance, the, the woman's baby started crying and screaming. And it was freaky. It was totally and I'm not going to pretend to know everything that's going on because this is the unseen realm. But when you get a physical manifestation of it, man, it builds your faith because you're like, okay, these people are normal. Matter of fact, a lot of people, when they, when the deliverance is over, they're like, I I can't believe that happened, you know? And they're just like, "Uh, what just happened? And you get enough of those stories and you're like, nobody would voluntarily go through that, but it kind of proves it to me, you know? I like what you said about where Jesus is, you know, there's going to be basically miracles and and things like that. happen. And I, you know, I I guess probably for the first, I don't know how long, several years of my, my walk with God, I didn't, I guess I didn't think of myself as a person that could really, I prayed for myself. I prayed for myself because I guess I'm selfish and I knew I needed God's help with things, (laughs) but like, you know, if somebody really needed a healing or whatever, I, I, and I was watching something by Todd white and he talked about how he prayed for like a thousand people or something before he ever saw anything happen. He just kept saying, you know, standing in faith, like, okay, the Bible says to do it. And he didn't worry about the outcome. So now I'm like, I really try not to pass up opportunities. If there's something for me to get to agreement with somebody over like in prayer or, 
you know, I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's not me. I mean, if I pray, it ain't going to be my power that fixes them. So I, I try, I, don't, I can't say I've seen anything as dramatic as you, but I am out there at least swinging. So, yeah, well, you know what it is. And this will encourage everybody listening as well. I, you don't get better at doing supernatural ministry, you just become more surrendered to the Holy Spirit doing it through you. So I don't think that Todd White was getting better. I think he was becoming more surrendered. And because there's such a level of humility, there's such a level, you have to make sure that Jesus is going to receive all the glory. And I think there's a character building. I think that there's a process you go through where you don't get better. Like, cause everybody's always like, teach me how to cast out demons. But I'm like, there's not a formula in scripture. And I think it's partly because I don't deliver people. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. I just have to learn how, like John the Baptist said, I decrease so that he can increase in me. So I think Todd White was just, it was like, as he was decreasing, every time he prayed for somebody, the Lord's like, I'm going to do something in your character that can sustain the weight of my glory and the weight of these miracles. And that's really for me. I listen, I pray for people and they die. (laughs) You know, and then I pray for people and then they get and then cancer dies. I don't know why, but I do know I don't have a magic wand. So it's like God's will is is sovereign. But for me, I'll always pray that prayer of faith until your last breath. And then when you die, I'll also try to pray a prayer of resurrection. And if that doesn't happen, I'll preach a fire message at your funeral. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's kind of my philosophy on this thing, because it's like once you go all in, you can't serve a natural Jesus. Jesus, you know, he, he is, but he's resurrected. So it's like, it doesn't even make sense to be a Christian and not believe in miracles and this supernatural. But I do think for me, if you can't tell, I always try to temper that back with like, but Hey, I'm not God. He is. I don't know why things happen sometimes. That's a good word, man. It's a gut check when you, to know that the, the, the power is really tied into the, tied to humility i mean i think about moses they said he was the most humble man on the face of the earth oh yeah and you look at the miracles that were done through him right so it's always that man i'm like i might have some pride in my life right i'm not you know you got to constantly be on guard against that because especially as as god starts to use you you know it's very easy to to feel that pride right like even again where he struck the rock yeah Uh, but i want to ask you one last question or well several points for this question, I guess, but before we, we talk about where people can find you and I think you have a download, I want to direct people to, um, but I, I saw you had a pretty popular video on YouTube, one of your most popular actually, and it was five lies that, um, you're believing about sex. Can you, do you remember what those five lies are? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Oh man. Yeah. I got to tell, tell me the ones you remember. Yeah. You know, my wife and I have a crazy testimony of being restored um, in, you know, our marriage being restored. I'm, like I said, I'm the product of divorce, you know, divorce and a lot of craziness. So, you know, here's the thing, like marriage is very difficult. And so when we were talking about the five lies that people believe about sex, here's the thing. I don't think that enough pastors talk about sex. You know, it's, and I I don't think that it's, so it's weird how you can get so much education or misinformation from the world, but then the church, it's like, well, we believe that God designed and created sex, but we're never going to talk about it. So, you know, for us, we're always trying to find creative ways to, to do it in a way that would help, help people. And so a lot of it just has to do with the fact that, um, the Kinsey research Institute, which is the largest sex research Institute on the planet, which is also in Bloomington, Indiana, where I went to school. And I did take every class Kinsey uh, Research Institute offered. <laughs> and he was like, a, he like almost like a pedophile or something, right? Kinsey was insane. I mean, he was insane. Yes. And um, for him, a lot of people regard him as like a revolutionary because in very taboo times, he was researching and doing all these experiments and stuff. In my opinion, he was definitely a deviant. I mean, it like, you know, like you said, uh, back, but back in the day when I was atheist, Mike, and I actually was in Indiana University, they had like um, courses that they collaborated to take. Right. Yeah. But I remember this blowing my mind back in the day this is like the early 2000s 
they said that the most when they surveyed everybody about sexual satisfaction, they said the, the most sexually satisfied group of people were long term opposite sex monogamous couples, which is the biblical recipe for relationship. And I actually remember thinking that was funny at the time, because I'm like, man, I'm an atheist, but like a man and a woman monogamous long term are reporting the most sexually their most sexual satisfaction and which is aka what god like god's recipe for relationship and a lot of it has to do with the most powerful sex organ that you have is not between your legs it's between your ears it's your brain so you know and and so that talk i was giving was basically saying um there is a mental component that you can learn the mechanics but if you're not um compatible mentally and you're not understanding that you're never going to be sexually satisfied we know that um you know when young men come or young boys come and become men through puberty it's like they're able to achieve an orgasm during their dreams like while they're sleeping and with no mechanics involved just strictly mental and i think we live in a society where we've elevated the physical and what we see so much but we don't talk about the mental connection so a lot of those lies were just deconstructing um really what we see in the movies versus what god designed and i think science reveals awesome man well i'll you know what i'll do i'll put a link to that video yeah. on the show notes so everybody can go back and watch it but um it's been great connecting with you. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. I, w- I personally want to come check out your church. I, I usually take a trip to New York at least once a year. So I'm going to come up and check you out. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. I was going to say, yeah, you're kind of like my new friend. I feel such a kindred spirit with you. And uh, I'm so glad that you reached out because it's been cool getting to know you and hear your story as well. So, hey, I'm on the road to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, so if you guys can all check out my YouTube channel and subscribe if you want to, that would be awesome. But I've got so much content on my YouTube where I'm just trying to provide value, you know, give people wisdom uh, and help them through whatever season they're in in life. So really it's all happening at YouTube right now. You got a link tree? With all your yeah, I was going to say, if you go to MikeSignorelli.com, not only can you find my YouTube from MikeSignorelli.com, but uh, you also can grab a 31-day devotional for free. It's about how to hear the voice of God. That, As a pastor, the number one question I get is like, how do I hear God's voice? And, I, and so I actually made a 31-day devotional where you can get that for free. So if you go to MikeSignorelli.com, you can grab that. You can hit my uh, uh, YouTube from that and all kinds of other fun stuff awesome pastor mike i will uh end it on that so again guys check it out go over to mikesignorelli.com get the free download subscribe to him follow him on instagram he's got really good content and Thank very you. very informative and uh and your your church is in in queens or brooklyn okay so i have a brooklyn location a long island location and a northwest indiana location that's funny. so yeah is that from your college days yeah, it's a crazy story. We'll have to do a round two, but yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll be uh getting up there and putting a, a giving you a handshake soon enough. Yeah, please do hit me up. I'd love I'd love for you to be my guest. Thanks, Pastor Mike, for coming on. Oh, you got it, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you later. All right, bye. <laughs>